In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning we have the Gospel reading and the theme for this Sunday as, our, as we approach Lent of the Prodigal Son. This is one of the parables of our Lord that if you were to ask someone, do they know a parable? This would probably be the story that they know of Jesus. Maybe they would balk at knowing that it was a parable, but at least it's a story that they've associated with Jesus. We all know what it means to be a prodigal, not because of anything besides this particular parable. Otherwise, we probably, I probably wouldn't even know the word. <laughs> we have a perfect icon of repentance in this morning's gospel reading. We have a young man who decides he's going to set out on his own. So he tells his father, give me everything of the inheritance that belongs to me. So he divides them and he gives them to him. And what does the younger son go and do? I'll ask the children on this. What did the younger son go and do once he got half of the estate? Yes. He went to a faraway country and sold everything. Anything else? Yes. He spent all his money. Did he invest in real estate? I hear that's a good idea. <laughs> what did he do with all of his money? He spent it all. I've never gotten money and wasted it. Um, he wasted everything. And he didn't waste it on good investments. He didn't waste it, um, you know, by just living and he couldn't get a job. And he just was spending through, burning through his savings. He went and had a great weekend. He wasted his possessions with prodigal living. They knew his name very well at the local honky-tonk. <laughs> when he spent everything, what happened then? Not only has he got nothing in his pocket, but there arose a severe famine in the land. And now the good times have ended and he began to be in want. So, as any able-bodied man would want to do, he joins himself to someone who's going to give him some work. Now, what kind of work did he get? This is another question for the children. Yes. Feeding the pigs. Feeding the pigs. Does that sound like a cool job? Yes. <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> so, yes. So, it would be a cool job to feed the pigs, except if you were a devout Jew, what's the issue with pigs? They are forbidden. They are off limits. They did not enjoy bacon. They did not have a ham sandwich. Pigs were unclean animals. And from what I understand, as I've never had to um, 
deal with pigs and much, uh, they're also very dirty animals. Uh, they're rather disgusting, and there's part of the reason why they're considered to be unclean is because pigs, as I understand it, and anybody who has more of a background in pig raisin uh, can tell me, uh, they are prone to eat all sorts of stuff uh, that would have disease within it. And so part of the reason why they're unclean is a very practical thing that God put in the law, is to keep uh, those kind of things away from a devout Israelite's plate. But they're also, uh, if you don't watch out for a pig, uh, pigs are liable to even start munching on you. Because they are, well, they're kind of nasty. <laughs> they are wonderful to eat, but... We all know to live in a pigsty, right? I'm sure your parents have referred, ref, made reference to a pigsty before. They are dirty. And what does he do once he is feeding the pigs? His stomach is growling. And what does he want to eat? Children? Yes. What? You want to eat the pigs? No. That would have been a good idea, but no. <laughs> Yes, Ellie. He wants to eat the pig's food. Now, I just told you that what the pigs eat is not uh, the nicest thing. And at that time, they would have had uh, the, the pods, as it mentions in the gospel, would have been, been basically, uh, there was a substance inside these pods. I'm forgetting the specific name. I think it's carob pods, if I'm remembering correctly. There's the, of course... You say something like this, and there's scholarly debate, but, 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 but I'm going to go with the carapod, because there's something pod-like that the pigs ate at this time that was used to fatten them up, and it was considered to be poor man's flour if you got the substance out of this pod. You could make uh, not-so-great bread, but something that you could survive on. So we can all agree that the young man is at the absolute bottom. There is nowhere else for him to go. And then he came to himself. One of the challenges, I think, about the prodigal son is that we ha it's become such an iconic story that we have relegated it to uh, maybe some of those people that we've known in our life, maybe even ourselves, who have actually lived in this kind of prodigality. In prodigal living. Everything's gone. There's no one there. As verse 16 says. As he's looking at the pods. With a hungry eye. And it says no one gave him anything. And so we relegate the prodigal son. To a, a story about someone else. We all know, usually a small town or an area, there's some prodigal person uh, around that we can say, and we can maybe even call them the prodigal son, echoing this parable. This is an icon of repentance because all of us regularly find ourselves in the pigsty. This is not uh, a once-off thing, even though we are used to thinking of this parable in that way. We spend our lives very often uh, in great prodigality. 
And we end up, when we start to wake up, noticing the lack in our life. Noticing all of the unclean, and I don't mean uh, laundry or vacuuming, but just the kind of squalor that we've ended up wasting our time on. And we end up, as we begin to wake up, and maybe it's one of the last things that prods us into waking up, is that we're lonely. There's no one there to give us anything because we have taken ourselves out of the equation, as it were. We come to ourselves and we say, how many of my father's hired servants, even the paid servants of my father's house, had better food than these pods I want to eat? And they have more than that. And I'm hungry. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Many of us come to ourselves and we may even say something very similar to what the younger son says here. But a challenge, and I am familiar with this as much as anyone else, is we might come to realize something, come to know where we're at, come to even say, I know what to do, I've got a good idea. And then we squeeze the pod and bake our poor man's bread and sit back down in the pigsty thinking about all the reasons why what could have been, should have been, instead of getting up and going to the father's house. It could be shame that the father is not going to accept us back into his house. Think of this. This is the younger servant. He's already thought this out. I'm going to at least get myself a paid position back in my father's house because I might not be let back in because I took half of everything and I wasted it. We might not come back to ourselves because we realize almost like um, Groundhog's Day. We woke up in the pigsty again. And boy, that's a long journey back to the father's house. I will wait till I wake up in five days in the pigsty and then I'll return to the father's house. When we look at the young man who comes to himself, we see a great act of humility, of facing reality, of being able to even say, even if I get a place that's just paid, I want to be in my father's house. He then gets up and he makes the journey back. He repents. This is literally the act of repentance. It is not just the idea. I've got a good idea. This is really not a way to live. I am on empty. Uh, The pods are starting. I don't have any butter to put on this bad bread. This is not going well. But we have to literally get up and move away from where we were at. And what does he say? I think there's something important in this. 
He's not just going to go to his father's house, put in his resume through the back door of the kitchen manager or something and wait till he hears and then sneaks back in and his dad sees him. He is going to go to his father and he's going to confess before his father that he has sinned against heaven and against him. The act of humility, uh, of repentance, is culminated in the act of confession. I like to call it the crowning of your confession, of your repentance. You make the movement before you come to confession, and then re- the confession is the sealing, and you basically uh, readmission to the Father's house. Of course, what happens? All of his fears, all of his possible thoughts of shame, all of the excuses, they wash away. Because the father, he doesn't instruct a servant to go out. He doesn't tell his brother to go out. The father himself runs. For a man of that time to run as you could probably look at what I'm wearing, because they would have worn something like this, it is not uh, something that you would regularly do because you're going to trip and fall. He would have to gird up his loins, to use that older phrase, right? He'd have to take up, and in that day and age, that was uh, actually a kind of like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) weird. Why is he doing that? That's unstately, unmanly for him to do that. The father does not care. The father's love for his son, even as he can see him coming, knowing that he has wasted everything, the father still runs to him and embraces him. Do not fear. Do not let fear or shame overcome you so much that you do not come back to the father's house. Know and think of the prodigal son, but think of the love of God that no no matter where you are at, he is going to run to you. He is going to find you and he is going to embrace you. He's going to put the best robe. He's going to get a ring and he's going to put it on your finger and put new sandals on your feet. And the fatted calf the sacrifice, the food that he will feed us is laid out before us and we will eat and drink and be merry. I would be remiss to not mention the older son. I've heard many sermons that skip over all the younger son and go directly to the older son and say this is the point of the parable. I think the older son is a continuation of the icon of repentance. Because many of us feel that we are not, as I was saying earlier, in the pigsty. We're hanging out in the father's house. We're in the wings. We've been doing all the things that we need to do. And yet there is some part of our heart, some aspect of our affections, some aspect of our dreams and desires that does not coincide, does not fit, does not match the father's house. There's something fascinating about why exactly the son is upset. And I think 
This was given to me, uh, and so I give it to you. What is the father doing when he's killing the calf and pulling out the ring and putting the robe on? (coughs) Whose things are those? If we've divided all of the uh, things of the household, he, the father is giving the older son's items to the younger son. He's giving the older son's robe. He's killing the fatted calf that the older son has been setting up, waiting for the time to have a great party. And the, the father, in his prodigal love for his son, is spending it. He is not wasting it, but he is feasting. And the older son is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Why, why, why are you wasting my things for this guy? I've been here the whole time. Shouldn't I have a party? Wasn't that my food? Wasn't that my robe? I think we see in the icon of the older son a need for repentance that is a prodigal expenditure for the other, for our brother, for our sister. Those, no matter where they're at, that the father will spend everything for them, and he already has. And so you and I are to expend ourselves for each other. As we enter into this Lenten time, this icon of repentance the younger son who wastes everything in prodigal living, we can see ourselves in him. We can awake ourselves, and we encourage ourselves, especially in the first week of Lent, to arise, O my soul, wake, shake off the slumber, and get back to the father's house. We also need to think of the older son and his uh, Scrooge-like nature that he didn't waste anything but he's also not willing to waste anything for the sake of love for the sake of the brother or sister in need may god embrace us as we turn to him in repentance for he has set before us this morning the fatted calf for us to feast upon and to be merry Glory to Jesus Christ.